1: Fish Talk Radio boy do we have some fun lined up for us today if there's anybody out there that's a serious angler in particular a fly fisherman fisher uh, angler excuse me fisher men women and they're looking for the ultimate trip I think that we're going to be able to take care of you today. This is going to be some real exciting stuff. We have Jason Grupp, who is, um, has Breakwater Tours, and he's going to be talking about Belize and fly fishing, and he's uh, been down there a couple times, got another trip going down in June. And then we also have um, some a name that everybody's familiar with. is Patagonia, but not quite as popular of a name as Bill Klein. And if we can start off right now, let's just kind of... Uh, uh, introduce Jason and Bill. And uh, uh, Jason, uh, your the name of your operation is?
2: Uh, Breakwater Tours. I offer up trips all over the place and uh, help my clients get set up to take these uh, really neat fishing trips all over the world.
1: Okay. And your website is?
2: Uh, Breakwater Tours, www.breakwatertours.com. You can okay. see a lot of the different trips and things I offer on there.
1: Right. And then Bill Klein, who um, is very familiar with a very special place in the world called Patagonia. And as a matter of fact, he works for a company by the same name. And is there a reason for that, Bill, that that's the same name?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was named uh, after the region because it was so wild and exotic and it pretty much defined the Uh, type of products we're trying to make uh, to manage, you know, extreme climbing and and backcountry. Mm -hmm. So Yvon Chouinard had been down there for many years, and in 1973, when they named the company, they it was a natural. The region okay. is perfect.
1: Okay, well, we're going to take a, a just a quick break, and we're going to come back and just jump right in the water. And this uh, is going to be an exciting show, so make sure you pay attention. And if you miss it, then uh, make sure you go back to uh, fishtalkradio.com and listen again. We'll be right back with you. Lake Cachuma is a California treasure. Bald eagles, deer, egrets, foxes, wild turkeys play on the banks and in the trees. Red ear, bluegill, bass and catfish inhabit the waters. Rainbow trout are planted on a regular basis and easily caught from boat or shore. Lake Kachuma Boat Rentals is a key to a successful day on the lake. Call 805-688-4040 for information. Tackle, skiff, or pontoon boat rental. Call Craig at 688-4040. 20 minutes north of Santa Barbara. Kachuma Boat Rentals for a day to remember.
0: Clover Pass Resort, Ketchikan, Alaska, is in the heart of the salmon capital of Alaska. Walk a few yards to the dock and throw a line at king, silver, or pink salmon. Just a 90-minute direct flight from Seattle. You can be in your boat fishing the day you arrive. The calm waters at Clover Pass hold schools of salmon as well as halibut and rockfish. Clover Pass offers all-inclusive fishing packages starting under $1,000. For more information, call John at 877-FISHRAP. That's
4: 877-FISHRAP.
5: Fishing. That's what I'll do. Welcome
1: to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan, and I have some very exciting guests uh, on the show today so that you want to really pay attention to this one. If you are an angler, in particular a fly fishing angler, we're going to tell you about some places that you've probably never been, but you definitely need to go to. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with uh, Jason Grupp, who operates uh, Breakwater Tours and takes people to Belize, plus other um Exotic places, uh, El Salto and for bass fishing in mainland Mexico. And then, of course, uh, Belize, and any place you want to go. And then we're going to go back in with Patagonia with Bill Klein. But, Jason, give us a quick idea about what you do.
2: Well, I host trips and set up my clients to go to different places and help them get gear and, you know, basically hold their hand to go on these, these trips. It's not easy to know. What to do, where to go, who to call, what you need to bring, and I help out with that. And uh, I've been doing it for close to 20 years, and I'm lucky enough to say that I host these trips, so I get to go with as well mm-hmm. and uh, take in you know these these amazing places. And one I know we're touching on today is is Belize, and uh, I just got back from there. I took a took about a dozen guys down on this trip, and we talk about a remarkable place, uh, giant fish. Shallow water, sight fishing, on fly rod. You put those things together, and it's, it's a pretty <laughs> amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just had a great trip, and the the Belize people are just so friendly and welcoming. And uh, not once did I feel like I, you know, wasn't safe. And the traveling there was great. So it's a it's a really neat destination to go to.
1: Okay, what um,
2: places did you fish, Jason? I'd sure like to know. Well, we went to El Pescador, and, uh, you know, they're one of the, the best uh, outfitters down there, fantastic guides. And I know Yvonne Chenard. I uh, saw a video, he was down there, so you could probably add a few stories that he's, he's had for that. But the yeah, El Pescador Resort is, is just top notch, and all their information's on my website if, if anybody wants to go. But, um, you know, they've just got this team of guides that have been there a long time, great boats, great um, boats. The resort is fantastic. The food, I'll never forget the night of all-you-can-eat lobsters. We literally put a platter of about 50 lobsters on our table when we got back from a 12-hour day for tarpon. Uh, it's its not so bad down there. We really enjoy it.
1: Well, before we get into the fishing, let's kind of give an overall of, of Belize. Uh, how do you get there and a little bit of the 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 area, and are you primarily just saltwater fishing?
2: Uh, yeah, we are pretty much saltwater fishing. There's a little lagoon that you can fish behind, and, and which is saltwater as well, but uh, mostly you're out on the flats, and, and if you can picture flats, it's just hundreds and hundreds and thousands of miles of water that's pretty much four to five feet deep. It's, it's unbelievable how consistent the depth is on these flats; It's amazing, you know, and there's certain areas where it drops off or if you go out to the reef, it goes, you know, a little deeper. And um, it's, it's a pretty amazing experience to, to run across these flats for hours and fishing and you pull off into these little uh, mangroves and, and throw on snook and, and, you know, these guides know these areas so well, it's, it, it makes it a lot of fun, but getting there, uh, it's, it's a long day. You can get there in one day, but, like we fly out of California, so we route through Dallas and then fly to Belize City. Once you get to Belize City, you jump on a puddle jumper, small plane, and you fly out through San Pedro, which is on Amberguese Cay. And it's a small island. And then from there, you jump on a boat, and the boat takes you to the resort. So the traveling there actually is, is you know... A very cool experience as well, uh, especially the final leg boat ride with a beer in hand to a resort. <laughs> right. So it's not too bad getting there.
1: Well, I kind of picture then is, is what you're talking about is not that much different uh, than parts of Florida, the Keys, and the Caribbean. The big difference is Belize uh, has very little pressure. And how, how far along are they as, as far as infrastructure?
6: No, I, uh, the roads
2: were really, were pretty rough. That's one reason why you take a boat to the resort. But you know, it, it wasn't bad. You can almost compare it to you know when you're in Mexico, things like that. It's you know, it's it, it's it's fine. The infrastructure is good. Um, and, and I got to tell you, the food everywhere I went was amazing, as well as the people. So I I, I felt it was kind of a step above. I really liked it. Um, and, and, yes, those flats are very similar to, you know, Florida and the other places places that have flats like that. Um, weather's great. And one really cool experience, we went into a park that's protected, and we were in there fishing for tarpon and literally surrounded by manatee. <laughs> um, so that was just kind of cool, and, and these parks are just very wild, um, tons of fish. I must have caught 20 different species of fish the one day when we were – um, in, in these uh, in these parks. And these are not small fish. These are huge tarpon, giant barracuda, no. big permit. Um, everything's in there. And a lot of fish, I didn't even know what they were when I'd catch them. So, and then another plus to Belize is they speak English. So there's no language mm. barrier there, which mm. is really nice. So you're, you're speaking English with the guides. There's no communication problem. So that, that makes it a lot nicer as well.
1: Yeah, the... Um... So, the, primarily, what you're targeting would be maybe tarpon, uh, bonefish, and in flats fishing. And the boat that you use is that just like a flat bottom, or do you cruise around like a bass boat, or what do you use?
2: Yeah, the center. Most of them, you know, and, and they do vary a little bit, but most of them are center console flat boats. So you've got a, a deck in the front where a guy can stand up on the bow and really get the angle to look into the water and spot these fish. So the guide is in the, he's in the back creeping up onto these mangroves and you're trying to see these 80 pound tarpon cruising (laughs) in the edges of the mangroves and then put the fly in front of them and and game on from there. And uh, the main species are uh, bonefish, hermit, tarpon and snook. And, the bonefish down there I didn't find were very hard to catch. The permit and were the hardest. Um, but we were on schools of, you know, 50 to 100 fish that were ranging from 15 to 20 pounds. I mean, just unbelievable. And uh, you do need some heavier fly gear down there. Um, when I was fishing for permit, I was on a 9-weight, and I was wishing I was on a 10, and I actually snapped two 9-weights oh. down there. Uh, and I blew up an 11-weight on a tarpon, so I came <laughs> home with a lot of broken rods, but that's what happened down there. It's just hardcore fly fishing. It's, it's really fun.
1: Well, that uh, sounds a, a little bit different than what you'd probably find in Patagonia, isn't it, Bill?
3: Oh, um, Very much so. Uh, You know, obviously, Patagonia is known for its uh, freshwater fishing down there. However, they do have some uh, interesting, you know, offshore saltwater, or inshore, I should say, down there. But uh, Patagonia is truly a very, very unique area. But uh, I'm I'm intrigued by Belize, and uh, I've been down there a few times as jason mentioned and there are so many great spots whether you kind of go out on the reef and there's like turn of flats which you're about 23 miles off the coast versus something like belize river lodge which is a river lodge so that really has some great snooks some interesting tarpon fishing as jason said broken a few rods back in there and they can still come out and uh fish a lot of those offshore areas and i like uh belize river lodge it's about 10 minutes from the airport (laughs) <laughs> which is which is pretty fascinating
1: well i think what we need to do is maybe go down there with jason and then uh we got to figure out a way to get down to patagonia uh, we got about a little bit over a minute left and we're going to take a break but uh what i would like to just a couple of quick questions on you, you mentioned that you, you fly from to into Belize city and then take a little puddle jumper and then a boat to the lodge and that's normally would be an all-inclusive type trip is that what you put together
2: yeah, the packages I put together it is it includes the airfare on the puddle jumper. Mm-hmm. Um, my clients are responsible for the airfare to get to Belize City, mm-hmm. which, uh, for example, from LAX was about eight hundred bucks to get okay. to Belize City, and then within the package that we pay to the lodge, the flight from Belize City to Ambergris K was covered within that.
1: Okay, um, and you probably want to take your own equipment.
2: Yeah, the lodge does have equipment, and you can use it. It's a little beat up, as rental (laughs) equipment always is at these resorts. But okay. um, I, I personally, am kind of a perfectionist with right. my gear. No, so.
1: you want to you want to always use your own gear if you can. Anyway, we're going we're going into a break. Uh, well, we'll be back in about three minutes, so don't go very far. And we're going to continue with Jason a little bit, and then uh, Bill's going to give us a lot more information about Patagonia. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio. Make sure you visit us at fishtalkradio.com, and we'll go to the contest.
7: Well, some like to rock, some
1: like to roll, but me and the boys gonna shake, rattle, and troll. <laughs> Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and I have two... Um experts but I'd say these guys are they've got the kind of jobs that most people would only dream about. Uh, we have uh, Jason that was just talking about uh, taking people to Belize and a little bit of an area to get there and you know a little bit about what it's like and we have uh, Bill Klein from Patagonia and Bill I always mess this up but you are the um, you are in charge of international development for the Patagonia clothing company. Okay. Oh, I did it right? Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Good for me. And then, of course, Patagonia. The company itself, um, I've heard it referred to as the greenest company in the world. And the the concept of what you guys do and how you do it, if we can just spend 30 seconds on that, it would be great.
3: Well, in 30 seconds, it's pretty tough. Obviously, we want to, you know, the company itself wants to create the best product and do the least harm, and then we want to use the company to inspire other uh, businesses to come up with an environmental solution to all the threats we're seeing around the country. And everything we do from you know, how we manufacture our clothing through our whole supply chain into trying to take care of uh, environmentally sensitive areas through our Patagonia grants program and one percent for the Tetons, mm-hmm. so that kind of leads into that patagonia i mean and South America uh, Patagonia as, as you well know is um, the southern part of uh, Chile and Argentina, so it's an entire region. So the Tierra del Fuego area in, uh, in, in Chile, and then you have the Argentinian side. So it's vastly wild, remote country. You go from uh, uh, incredible mountains, uh, lots of glaciers, and they feed down into the numerous streams that run all through that area. And of course, they have some of the best uh, and large trout fishing in the in the world. And of course the ideal time is our winter, their summer. So right now the fishing is exceptional at this at this point in time. So obviously to to get down there we talked about belize it's a little longer flight down to uh chile and argentina but they have direct flights out of uh la and san francisco down that area into santiago uh in chile or into buenos aires in Mm -hmm. argentina and so from there you can catch smaller flights down to that southern region in uh, Tierra del fuego and there's quite a few different lodges down there that uh you know there's numerous companies that book there and uh we can give you names of those later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, the great thing about that area, the people are fantastic. Uh, the food is absolutely spectacular. Lots of fresh vegetables. And, of course, they're known for their for their uh, beef and lamb. And it's just an incredible epic to have uh, lamb. And chimichurri sauce that they cook fresh
1: okay. over grills. <laughs> uh, Bill, I think Jason told us ahead of time he's going to have to uh, go on to another meeting. I guess he's uh, got to go fly fishing this afternoon or something. So he's, fish call. He's fisher calling. So uh, we're going to let Jason sneak away, but we're going to continue talking about you, Jason. And that is tours dot com, correct? Yeah, uh, it is. And thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate you
2: guys. You listening. want to sign something
3: else off before you leave, Jason? What, what's that? Do you want anything else you want to say or sign off? Oh, or? no,
2: I just, you know, I love talking about the sport of fly fishing. It's, it gets me all fired up. I feel like going and grabbing a flight right now. But, uh, yeah, the Belize is a, is a neat spot if anybody wants to go. And if anybody uh, needs some help, feel free to give me a call. Hit my website, Breakwater Tours, and I'll I'll get you guys set up with the right people and the, the right time of year and right. the right equipment. The whole thing. And
1: hopefully next year you'll be taking a trip down to uh, Patagonia.
3: Oh, I hope so.
1: Okay.
3: Bill, we got to go. All right. All right. You're on, Jason. Okay. we might even right. take John with us.
1: Now, hey, I'm up for that. I'm up for <laughs> that. Now, uh, Bill, to get back with a little bit, you know, Patagonia is I, I, it's probably as well known for its ecotourism, as it is for its fishing. And give huh. us a little bit of an idea about what is there. I mean, it's way far south, uh, but, you know, temperature range, and what would you compare it to if you're looking at North America about as far as uh, the climate?
3: Uh, you pretty much... Um it varies as you further go south in the, on, on the ocean side in Chile. It's a cold weather rainforest. And then uh, most of Argentina and a lot of Chile is pretty much like the Rocky Mountains. So you have days that are very warm and uh, it gets cool at night. And then you also have you know, those chilly, cold rains. So you need to be prepared with you know, some good gear for, to keep warm and to keep dry. So, uh, and it's interesting. You you mentioned one of the things that uh, Patagonia has been doing for years, and we've been working with uh, a great California native by the name of Doug Tompkins, and he used to own North Face and then Esprit, the clothing company. So he started years ago to set aside land in Chile, and now uh, they have a seven hundred and sixty thousand acre uh, area that they set aside and gave back to the Chilean government called Pumalin Park. Spectacular area that uh, has enormous amounts of fishing, lots of uh, hiking, backpacking, a little bit of everything, which is a gorgeous area. And then uh, about a few years later, they came across another area um, from the Valley Chacabuco, which is 170. 170- 4,000 acres. And now the two of them have teamed up to have an enormous area where you have incredible fishing. You go right from the ocean up to the mountains. So it's great areas to wander around. And the um, this latest park that they've done is uh, has just opened. So it's a brand new area. The Patagonia Park, it's called in Chile. So you know, definitely want to take advantage of uh, going down to those areas.
1: Well, I'm just picturing that uh, you can probably find an area or a Stream or a lake um, that there's no RVs parked around.
3: <laughs> well, that's the beauty of that area. You can uh, you can get in a car, rent a car, and start driving, and you'll hit water and lakes and a little bit everything under the sun. However, it is pretty remote, so you have to make sure you're uh, you're 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 covered <laughs> well, if something's happening. But it is one of the last yeah. wild places on the planet that you can uh, drive and and uh, find some unbelievable fishing.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about Alaska in a little bit, but you're, but what you said was kind of interesting because Alaska is huge. Uh, I think if you take California, Wyoming, and Texas, and formed a state, it would be the second largest state. But Alaska, there's only very small areas that you have access to. But it sounds like Patagonia. If you just want to go out and explore, you can do that.
3: Yes, exactly. It has much greater access and easier access, of course, in Alaska.
1: Mm-hmm. And the uh, what have, we mentioned that the lakes and streams, and you said it's got some of the largest trout. What are some of the other freshwater fish?
3: Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. They do have some steelhead and Atlantic salmon. Uh, hmm. It's it's interesting over the years when the you know the Brits started to get down there many years ago. They started to bring bring a number of trout, and then over the years they brought in some different species. So you have different types of salmon, and you do have uh, steelhead, and you have lots of trout. So it's really a fascinating area that you can get into. You know, quite a few different types of fish. Mm-hmm.
1: What about well, the saltwater?
3: Uh, in salt water, a little more challenging because it you don't have flats like you do, uh, as Jason was talking about in Belize. But uh if you have a little boat there are there is some really great uh fish fisheries out there. Of course you probably do a little better with some uh traditional or conventional tackle. But uh those fans who are anglers or who are also surfers, they have some spectacular surfing hmm. all along that coast in Chile too.
1: Well, we talked a little bit about the um about the climate compared to someplace in the United States, so you know obviously it's South America, so you know we're our seasons are reversed but you know what well, of course patagonia the reason that the company Patagonia came about was to build um clothing that uh, would stand up to the rigors of patagonia
3: yes so- exactly is uh as we mentioned, the founder of Patagonia, Yvonne Chouinard, he had, done, uh, had spent months down there and done some of the first ascents in the Fitzroy Range. And the actual Patagonia logo is the Fitzroy Range itself. So it's a pretty fascinating area. But because you go to the very southern tip of uh, South America, that's some of the most radically... Different weather and conditions. Uh, they call it the Roaring Forties on that parallel down there because you have extraordinary, extraordinarily uh, wild weather with incredible winds and rains and snows. So, pretty, pretty interesting area.
1: Well, and and again, one of the main reasons to go there is because it's it's so pristine. Um, and I guess uncivilized would be a good way to put it, but if you want to find out you know, what nature is all about, that sounds, it sounds like that's one of the places you got to put on the list.
3: Absolutely. It's, uh, it's truly a spectacular area. The, um, words can't even begin to describe some of the beauty that's down there.
1: Mm-hmm. The, and what about uh, if someone wanted to go down there, should they, should they use a tour guide, a trip, or should they just go down there and rent a car?
3: Well, it varies. You can do a lot of research and find uh, you know find your way around. Um, a lot of folks they'll end up going down and spend a few weeks down there. They may go to a lodge, uh, you know, that they can go uh, learn more about a particular area and then uh, take off on their own. Generally, whenever if you're going to Belize or even down to Patagonia, I always encourage people to spend extra time down there to just take advantage of the culture. So, if you go to Santiago and Buenos Aires, you hear all the incredible stories of the nightlife, and mm-hmm. it's pretty, it is true. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> true. You wouldn't know about that, but you heard it's true. <laughs> so,
3: yes, I, I've heard tell. But yeah. uh, it truly is spectacular. And then as you go further south, the people are absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. You come across uh, all the estancias, which are the big ranches down there, and. You know, you just meet all the local folks, and they're so kind and endearing. Right. And you know, they really. Can...
1: Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to another break because we have another segment that we're gonna take you uh, on a float plane to a remote lake up somewhere in Alaska. Uh, but uh, qu- real quickly, do they speak Spanish in in uh, Patagonia? But uh, or do you have to? Are you okay with English?
3: Uh, If you're in the cities, you're okay with English, but when you get down south, you really need to have Spanish or Mm -hmm. be able to converse fairly well in Spanish because they don't speak English. Yeah,
1: well, everybody understands dollars, though, right?
3: that, that yeah. they, do. Yeah, okay. they do food
1: wine and dollars <laughs> I understand all three that's awesome hey bill we so appreciate you being on uh, hopefully you're going to be able to stick around and you may have some questions or comments from Jim that uh, operates a float pin plane operation out of Ketchikan Alaska we'll be right back you're listening to fish talk radio
6: bad day is better than a, better day. Well, say, a bad day, oh, Day yeah.
1: I'm John Hennigan, host of Fish Talk Radio. This is Common Sense Conservation, brought to you by Santa Monica Seafood. We have Bob Wade from Santa Monica Seafood. Bob, what do we have going today?
6: The question on the table is about the life cycle and the return of how salmon, with their indigenous blueprint on their brain, perform a great value for us in the dining world to have a consistent, sustainable resource. As we know, salmon are produced in fresh water small amount of time in rivers. They migrate out to the ocean, and they spend anywhere between three and five years in an environment in the ocean, living, breathing, until Mother Nature rings an intrinsic bell in their head to return to their river of birth. Very interesting opportunity. And the more that we can return to the ocean on birth, Obviously, through water, making sure rivers have plenty, impediments like hydro infringements, dams, is going to allow more to return to the nature that they were born and raised in. We harvest these animals as they return to finish the life cycle in a saltwater environment. They'll return to a freshwater environment, complete life cycle with a long, endurance migration back up through freshwater to breed and then perish. But even with their perishing, they will supply into the back into the life cycle of our river system that will supply animal life, protein life to sustain the river systems that we've become so used to enjoying.
1: Santa Monica Seafoods works for sustainable fisheries. Well, back to Fish Talk Radio. As promised, we're taking you all the way about as far south as you can go to as far north as you would want to go. Let's put it this way, covering the world of fishing. In particular, we've been talking about fly fishing and exotic places that not too many people have had the opportunity to do. But I think anybody that's really into the sport Really wants to do. We're going to introduce now Jim Cosmos, who operates an operation out of Ketchikan, Alaska with float planes, and it's called Southeast Alaska Aviation. Is that no Southeast Aviation, right? Yes. Okay, right. And so if you make it up to Ketchikan, which we're going to be up there in July, uh, then if you want to do something besides, you know, go out and trolling for salmon, I think Jim's got a good idea for you. Jim, what do you suggest?
8: Well, we've got a lot of wonderful lakes here in the Tongass National Forest and the Misty Fjords uh, National Monument. That we fly folks here out on a remote, uh, out on a remote lake. We'll get their uh, introduced to their guide and uh, and a very experienced Southeast Alaska fly fishermen. And we'll take them in their gear and a picnic lunch and everything else they might need. And we'll load them up and go fly into a remote lake and drop them off and just let them fish with their guide out there and really enjoy the. Uh, You know, one of the most beautiful places on Earth.
1: Uh, Bill, I'll make a quick comment on this. You're talking about the remote and the pristine beauty of Patagonia. Um, When Jim puts you on an airplane and takes you out, traditionally what they do, there are so many... um, beautiful pristine lakes the freshwater lakes that they're you know not real close together but in an airplane they're not that far apart and you've got your choices so many so I went up there and there was one that the pilot wanted to land on so we start circling and going in and he saw a float plane was already there this was not a small lake so he goes up can't go there so we flew over to another one because they don't want anybody else on the lake with you
3: is it? Yeah. But try to make like, it a nice like, like Lake Casino, California,
1: right? Folks. Yeah. It's kind of, and obviously, there's not too many uh, RVs along the banks either. <laughs> no, don't, but, no, sir. Uh, Bill, you've probably got some questions. I, I know that you've been everywhere and fished everywhere and, and done everything, but you may have some questions for Jim about the process and you know how it's done.
6: Well,
3: Jim, I love the fact that uh, you're flying a beaver up there, which I think is a great, great plane, and, and that allows you to get into a lot of those places. Is that correct?
8: Yeah, it's the only way. I mean, uh, we're here in Ketchikan. We're on, a, on an island. It's called Ravilla Island, and everything outside of here, you got to get out uh, by a seaplane. That's the only way out.
3: That's incredible. Now, do you go to different lakes or just that one lake?
8: No, there's uh, there's a, there's a lot of lakes here in the, in the Tongass and the Misty Fjords area, and so... Just uh, we try to pick one that's, uh, you know, we try to tailor to our customer's needs and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of large lakes, small lakes and, uh, you know, all different types of, you know, fish out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the fish you find in the lakes. Now, is it that there's every lake has a variety or do some lakes may have uh, uh, trout and other ones maybe, you know, pike or, you know, or, or landlocked salmon or something? Is it is each lake a little bit different?
8: Y'all are a little different. Uh, there's some of them. Most of them have uh, Dolly Varden and uh, and Cutthroat, and also there's a few Kokanee and uh, Rainbows, and uh, you know every lake's a little bit different. But there's mostly Cutthroat and Dolly Varden. There's some salmon streams, and uh, and uh, some places where you can actually uh, catch some pretty good sized salmon too.
1: Well, let's uh, let's kind of give a mental picture then. First of all, if Anybody, uh, Bill, it sounds like you've been in a float plane before.
3: Once or twice, yes.
1: Yeah, I'll bet. (laughs) They're great. (laughs) But the thing about getting in a float plane and and going to one of these lakes is it's like getting there is, is half the fun because you know these these planes travel at uh, they can go very low altitude close to the ground and fly they don't fly that fast so as you're kind of cruising along through these mountains you can see the sheep and the you know the different critters that are you know that uh, that they're in the habitat as you're as you're flying around and just just that experience you know, to me taking off and landing is uh, incredible because you don't. You can't tell when you leave the water or when you land on the water. It's just a. Uh, you would think that it would it wouldn't be as smooth as it is.
8: Well, our pilots try to make it very very smooth. I mean, it's uh, they've been flying these airplanes a long time, and uh, we try to make a very smooth takeoff and a smooth uh, landing. And then uh, on the way out and the way back, uh, we'll uh, give you some information on the local area, and if we can spot some animals along the way, we'll do that too.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, can you give us a. a, a um an idea of a couple of different types of trips where you can get uh, you can fly into Ketchikan you can get on an airplane and you can you know you can maybe spend a night or two in town and and at some of the local color and find food that they have in Ketchikan uh or you can stay at maybe Clover Pass or one of the lodges up there and do some salmon fishing and then take a, just a day trip the other thing that we talked about is that if you're maybe A little more, say, hardcore. uh, There's another option for you. What's that?
8: Take you out fly fishing.
1: Right, but uh, (laughs) instead of just doing a day trip.
8: Instead of doing a day trip, well, we can uh, set you up with a nice uh, Forest Service cabin in one of the. uh, There's like 40 cabins here in the in Southeast Alaska, and uh, what we'll do is we'll uh, go ahead and. uh, set you up with, uh, you know, reservation and, uh, we're all about convenience. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll, uh, have, uh, help you prepare all your, uh, uh, fishing gear, uh, will this cabin stuff, uh, utensils, cook stoves, um, and uh, and then we'll uh, pick you up at the airport or wherever we might pick you up and take you right out to a lake.
1: Mm-hmm. And drop you off and you can spend three, four, five, or seven days uh, in a remote lake in the middle of nowhere in Alaska.
8: Foresters Forest done a tremendous job uh, keeping these cabins up and you know, these cabins are uh, very nice, uh, very tight. They've got uh, two or three bunks in there, sometimes four. They're bigger cabins. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is uh, bring yourself some food. We'll help you set that up and, uh, you know, your you know the items that you might need to cook with and things, but we'll set all that up for you and fly you out there and pick mm-hmm. you back up in uh, six to seven days.
1: Uh, Bill, when we go up, uh, you're going to be in charge of lighting the fire in the morning and making the coffee.
3: For- right and uh, over the grill to keep an eye out for bears. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about the wildlife you might see up there.
8: Well, we've got uh, in the Misty Fjords you'll probably see a black bear and and also uh, some brown bear. And we've got uh, a lot of the marine life. We've got seals and the humpback whales, uh, you know, uh, orcas, um rocky the uh mountain goats, eagles, um, there's some moose over in the Unic River area, but uh, that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm.
1: And the you know the the concept then is if you go to Alaska and you you get on one of these planes and they take you out, and whether you want to do a day trip or or, or spend a week out there, uh, what about the gear? Uh, that and how big are these fish? And I do people need to bring their own gear? Do you have gear? Or do you, what do you suggest?
8: No, what we'll do is we'll, uh, as soon as we set up the reservation, we'll uh, find out exactly what they need, and uh, we'll go ahead and make uh, make up a lot of those details, and then what we'll do is we'll shop their grocery, we'll have somebody like Tatsuda get the groceries ready for them, we'll have one of the local outfitters get their, their, you know, fishing equipment and actually the cabin gear ready, and all they need to do is, uh, is show up here at our office, or so we'll pick them up the airport dock or at their at their B&B or hotel or lodge. And we'll bring them here, and we'll just load up and go.
1: Well, one of the things, Bill, that I have to comment about uh, this concept, as opposed to going to Patagonia, although Patagonia is has uh, got to be at the top of the list for anybody that's serious about the, uh, the, the real outdoors and really loves uh, pristine fly fishing, is that to catch a can? I live in Santa Barbara, and I can get on the airplane in Santa Barbara, fly to Seattle, and then to catch a can, uh, and be there within you know with less than six hours, and it's not that expensive. And then once you get up there, you know they, um, you know you can, you can you can do this whole trip without having
3: to spend ten thousand dollars. Oh, that's fantastic. And, Jim, one quick question, too, since so many people in California love their kayaks, um, and especially if you're going to get dropped off at one of those remote cabins, can you take kayaks up there, or can you have a canoe or kayak or something ready for these folks?
8: There's actually skips, little boats at uh, just about all the cabins, and so uh, one of the things we'll do is we'll set up also for uh, for their uh, motors.
1: Okay, so they—they they skip you just take your own gas and outboard with you, and then you can go out on the water.
8: We'll provide all the gas, and uh, we'll get the outboard for you, and uh, and uh, load all that stuff up and fly you out.
1: How easy is that? And on these remote areas, is there any communication?
8: We've got uh, SAP phones that we give our customers uh, out there in case there's an emergency.
1: Hmm. Well, what do you think, Bill?
8: Let's go.
1: Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> many places to go, so little time, right? But exactly. But no, that, that well, is, it's a, it's a very special area. And again, what's so easy about it is to get to catch a can, you don't have to take a float plane. But once you're there, you can go anywhere you want to go.
3: And what's the time frame for this, Jim? What are the best times to go?
8: I think that, uh, you know, mid-July and August are very, very good months as well. got to be a salmon around, too, and so it gives you a variation of uh, fish to catch. Mm-hmm. I think July and August are mm-hmm. really. Good. And uh,
1: when you go out there, if you want to bring fish back, can you do that?
8: Uh, you know what? You can, you can. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some catch and release, still and stuff out there, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can take some fish back. Well,
1: while you're up there, you spend a couple of days salmon fishing, or maybe halibut fishing. While you're in catch, you can. Yes. Yeah. Now that sounds like the perfect trip. Go up there and, and uh, go out in a boat, catch some salmon, maybe some halibut, and fly in and, and have a great trip. But we're going to running out of time here. So Jim, give us some quick information. I think that we said that uh, your operation is Southeast Aviation out of yeah. Ketchikan, Alaska and your yeah. website is the same, correct?
8: southeastaviation.com and uh, if you're interested on in any of the trips uh, just go ahead and send us an email or look at what we have on site and then on our website and also uh, if you go to the U.S. Forest Service Cabins page you can scroll down where it uh, mm-hmm. says Rever- Reserve America Perfect, Perfect. Reserve.
1: and if you, if you missed that come back and listen to us again uh, Bill of course you know, we can ask you for information but Patagonia is everywhere <laughs> So you don't even have to go. But, we're trying, yeah.
3: Right. But
1: uh, you know, I understand Patagonia gave six million dollars to conservation research last year.
3: That's about okay. right because okay. we our right. founders are one percent for the plant, right. so we okay. donate. Uh, well,
1: we're gonna we're gonna have to go, but we appreciate what you guys are doing.
3: I got a little story about a city boy that came from Wisconsin up from Illinois to so get we there. Welcome the back to
1: Fish, Fish Talk Radio. The I'm the John Hennigan in the studio and we have with us we have Bill Klein uh, from Patagonia and I think he said it was international business development for the uh, the for the premier outdoor uh, clothing company and outfitter's Um, I would say pretty much in the world. Uh, You guys have had a tremendous success, and we wish you the best on that. And your success, I think, has to do with the quality, but not just that part of it. Uh, Patagonia is a very responsible company, and right before we took the break, I think that uh, I heard that you, uh, Patagonia, donated about $6 million just this last year in, in order to help fund conservation groups and startups.
3: Uh, yes, that's all part of the 1% for the planet, so we donate 1% of our sales to uh, environmental organizations trying to, you know, do small, hands-on, grassroots uh, programs to take care of resource and habitat. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, of course, you guys are heavily involved uh, in preserving the uh, Patagonia area.
3: Oh, yes, that's uh, one of our big missions. And, of course, you know, between the Pumalin Park and, and the new Patagonia Park all in Chile, we're very big fans of being able to take care of the land, but still allow it uh, to be open for people to use. So.
1: That's the whole idea. I know I live in California, and for some reason, some people don't seem to understand that you can do both successfully. Exactly. But, That's but, the uh, and then we've got going well, from Patagonia all the way up to Ketchikan, Alaska, and Jim, I would... It's, you know, I've been there more than a couple of times. It's one of my favorite places. And first of all, it's easy to get to. Uh, it's not expensive. And once you get to Ketchikan, this is the real deal. This is, you know, it's the, on the inland passage. I think it's one of the first stops the cruise ships make. But uh, the best thing to do is go into town after all the cruise ships leave. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's a great place with a lot of history and a lot of culture. So just, just going there, just to go there is worth a trip. And then it's considered to salmon capital of the world because of its uh, situation where all the salmon coming in from the outer uh, oceans are coming back in to go upstream. And then as we were talking about going upstream, some of those streams are kind of remote, and you have a way to get to those.
8: Yeah. Yeah got the Devil and Beaver Seaplane that'll fly you uh, to any of these places around here. It's all accessible by float uh, flow plane rather than, it's just a few places that you can go by boat, very few, but most seaplane. plane. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and during the break, Bill had suggested that if you're going to do a trip like this, yeah, I mean, it's taking three or four days is better than not going, but I always plan on taking a little bit extra because the, it doesn't add that much to the overall cost of the trip, but it gives you much more experience. But you could go spend a week and catch you can uh, spend a couple days you know, salmon fishing, um, you know, in in the salt water, and then uh, do a couple days up in the uh, the remote areas, and 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 get it all. Now, Bill, if someone was going to go to Patagonia, I don't think you'd want to do that in five or seven days.
3: Uh, no, <laughs> it's going to take you know, a whole day at least in down and a whole day back if Mm -hmm. you're lucky so that's two days so you need a few weeks at least so Mm -hmm. there's so much to see Mm
1: -hmm. and then of course uh, the our winter is the best time to go exactly okay all right. Well, gosh, this was so much fun, you guys. That was great. And, you know, th- but one of the reasons I like this show is I get to learn all these things. And, uh, Jim, hopefully I'll be seeing you in July. We're going to be taking a group up. Oh, by the way, make sure that you go to our uh, relaunch of our webpage, which is Real Fun Adventures. And we got packages for you that you won't find anywhere else. And if you don't find a package yet, we're going to be putting it together. So if you want to go to to, uh, Ketchikan or to Patagonia or to Belize, we'll take care of you. So thank you again, Bill. Thank you, Jim. We appreciate all that information. And hopefully we'll get back together real soon. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com.